The movie was a roller coaster. Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to to Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death. The reason I'm starting this episode... Is because... Uh, I'm super excited. I'm actually more excited to talk about the movie this week than I am watch it. Uh Uh-oh. And that's because, well, I'll just save the surprise for a minute. Um, Uh, Yeah, he has not told me what we're doing this week yet. (laughs) I've totally... We're recording this a little in advance before we recorded the back half of last week's episode. So we are in the middle, as of recording, this will come out in the middle... Of May. Of May. So this will be the middle of Father's Day movie month. Our second Father's Day movie month. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we this started with Frailty. Then we went to The Mist. Yep. Two real fucking heavy movies. Oh, you can say so, that. So uh, we're going to pause in the middle of pause. the month and watch something not nearly as uh, weighted with emotion and terror as we step into... The Stepfather 2. What? <laughs> you guys, this is a special treat for me. So, The Stepfather Josh. 2, I know, right? And if, you not, if you're not a regular listener, you will find out in a moment by the squeals <laughs> and the probable stories that you're going to hear of why this Rude. is an important movie. I feel attacked right uh, now. <laughs> so, this movie was released November 3rd, 1989. Mm-hmm. It is rated R. Mm-hmm. It is an hour and 33 mm-hmm. minutes long, which is... The right length for a stepfather movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we watched the first stepfather, which is a better movie mm-hmm. last year. Uh, this time last Come year. Come on, it was somebody's first movie. Hold on, it was directed by Jeff Burr, mm-hmm. who would go on to direct Pumpkinhead Two, Blood Wings, and I like Pumpkinhead. I don't Texas Chainsaw like Massacre Three, Leatherface. I've blood, seen one and two. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three. Uh, it was written by John Auerbach, mm-hmm. who was the sound editor on Jim Jarmusch's Strange in the Paradise and Down by Law. Those movies are fucking awesome. No idea. Uh, and it stars <gasps> Terry O'Quinn, who comes back as Jerry Blake. You know him from The Stepfather, mm-hmm. from The Rocketeer, from mm-hmm. Lost. Mm-hmm. It also stars someone I love, okay. a reason for me to get excited, Meg Foster as Carol Grayland. She's in They Live. She's Evil Lynn in Masters of the Universe. <laughs> Evil Lynn. She's fucking awesome. And yep. she has pretty eyes. The craziest eyes yep. in the history of movies. And then uh, then there's Carolyn Williams. Okay. <laughs> who's Maddie Crimmins. You know her as Stretch from Texas Chainsaw 2. Oh she's the, the DJ guy. DJ yeah. Lady. Uh, lady. She's also yeah. in Days of Thunder, which Side note, did you did you know, can I just take a second to yeah. ask you a Days of Thunder question? Have you ever seen Days of Thunder, mm-hmm. the Tom Cruise racing movie? Oh, yeah. Did you know that the studio, like Don Simpson, that movie was so bananas. Don Simpson was like, you have to build a gym for me to use. And then he never fucking used it. Asshole. Like, that movie, there's a gorgeous woman in the pit crew in Tom Cruise's pit crew, and that was because she was dating Don Simpson, and he was like, I don't put her in the movie. I put her in the pit crew. Like, that movie is the pinnacle of, like, I'm fucking this person, so give me, like, <laughs> a job slash money slash, wow. like, benefits. and pro- Like, that movie is fucking insane. There's a book about it. And it's bananas. Uh, anyway, back to this My movie. family has a weird connection to that movie. Oh, yeah? 
my grandfather um, set up the communi- the very first communication system at Pocono Speedway back when it was still a dirt track. Um, he's a stakeholder and all that nonsense. I guess my uncle is now. I don't know. Anywho's old, they shot it there. And so uh, Tom Cruise dropped his transmission often. And my grandfather put it all in a box and gave it to my sister. It was like, Tom Cruise's transmission. You're welcome. <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool. Okay. All right. And, and this movie also stars... Jonathan Brandis oh. as Todd Grayland. You know him from The Never Running Story 2, uh, Sequest DSV, mm-hmm. and I think he was also in the It TV movie? Yes. So, all right, here's the moment where I'm going to lean back in my chair <laughs> and just let Cindy talk about Jonathan Brandis. I do. He was my first celebrity TV crush, my first celebrity crush ever, and most people have never even heard of him. Isn't that strange? Like, most people know him from Sequest DSV, which was like uh, Star Trek Underwater? Kind is, that of. A bit, is that a good way to kind of put it? Um, anywho, I first saw him probably on like a Murder, She Wrote episode or um, maybe a movie of the week. Remember those used to be a thing? Those mm-hmm. cool. Uh, I think it's from Ladybugs. Lady, oh, yeah. So, yeah. When... We were kids. He his two big movies when we were kids were Ladybugs, the Rodney Dangerfield uh, movie, and Sidekicks, the Chuck Norris film. And I just I don't know I just I was totally taken with him, and I would buy because uh, back in the twentieth century we didn't have the internet and computers. So we had to buy these things called Tiger Beat Magazine and Teen Beat Magazine. And as an adult looking back, it's a little creepy. They were magazines that the entire purpose was uh, photos and shots of teen actors and actresses that you could cut up and like put all over your room. Also with those, did you ever hear a story of someone appearing in that magazine and then it turning out well for them? No. Like... Um, Jonathan Taylor Thomas was a huge person in those for member. He was oh yeah, like in he, all those magazines. He was starting to kind of. He was a little too young for me, but he was definitely in some of the issues I bought because Home Improvement was such a big show, and he was the cute middle kid. Um, I can tell you, um, I have read. I'm a big fan of Will Wheaton for a lot of reasons, and. Every now and then, if he's in a philosophical mood or if later on you know that he'll be posting, hey, I'm just climbing out of a depression, guys. Every now and then, he will post a picture of his days in those Teen Beat magazines. And, and they're all very specific. They always have like a weird prop, like a big ball or like, oh, I'm holding on to a baseball bat. You know, some sort of weird prop that these boys are holding. No. Do you remember elementary school pictures? They always had beer props in elementary school. Not in mine. Really? Mm. For our okay, so maybe not in New Jersey, but my preschool picture, I like I'm on like a phone, I think, or maybe like holding a little toy. But from kindergarten up, it was like sitting in a chair, smile. No, like they would do ours, and it would be like a giant crayon, (laughs) or like. They would have a like a color splash background, and then like empty like 
prop paint cans, mm-hmm. and you would like pose around them. Well, like, the, that that's... was weirdly or like not like fifth and sixth, but like early elementary school. I that wish was like they, they would come in that. and do that, and then that would be like, or they would have like a I ladder wish they had and done you could, that. like stand on the like it was so weird. See, the problem is. I know because I've been in education for so long and I'm a mom. Kids go through this weird phase where they don't know how to smile. I don't, I don't, in your work with children, have you ever noticed that? Yeah. Like between the ages of like five and 11, kids smile like, they, no, it, or like, kids smile. They just smile like it's wrong. Bob from Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah. So every, like my kindergarten picture, I had chapped lips. So um, my mom gave me a little thing of Vaseline so I could put it on my lips. And right before it went on, I thought it looked like lip gloss. So like I put it on my two fingers and I went like, and I just mined um, from one earlobe across my mouth to the other earlobe. Like the fucking Joker. And when the pictures came back, my face, no, it's more like Homer Simpson, like a shiny, like where a beard would be face. I am no to- every single one until I got to high school, my freshman year up. Those pictures are okay. My first year pictures from kindergarten through eighth grade, um, they're odd, <laughs> and that's the one that started them all. I kind of wish they had given us like a prop, so then you're kind of like laughing as you're playing instead of like I'm smiling. What? Yeah, we always got props. In another one, oh my gosh, the next year. They spritzed my hair with water. I have very naturally curly hair when I was a child. And my mom kept it really short because she didn't know how to like deal with curly hair because she had straight hair. And they spritzed my hair with water before I went in front of the camera. So it's like, it looks like I just got out of bed. My hair is like everywhere. Like I look like a crazy person. Uh, one of my favorite pictures from my childhood, they would do like for basketball, mm-hmm. they would do a picture of you with like uh, like posing yeah. with the basketball. Yeah, my kids And then see that. they would make a cardboard cutout of you. Oh, cool. That yeah, was that's like a an option. foot tall. Mm-hmm. And then I remember for like T-ball, they would they would do a thing where they would take a picture of you in your like T-ball uniform, like like you were gonna swing the bat or yep. like in mid swing or yeah, whatever. Yeah, we had those. And then they would take that and, and make, make a, a card. baseball card for yep. you. Every year that my boys... And that was fucking awesome. My boys have always been encouraged, like, you try anything. You know what I mean? Like, they did karate a few... Drugs. <laughs> karate for a little while. Basketball. You know, they, they've done every sport you can think of. Just let them figure out if they like it or not, right? So each year that my, my boys went through a baseball phase... And it lasted one season. And they were, they were like, they thought it was cool. And we signed them up. And then after like the second game, they're like, yeah, I don't want to do this shit anymore, Mom. Your kids. Um, but both years, I ordered the little baseball card. Yeah. And both years, they were like, sorry, I didn't come. I didn't write, we didn't charge you for it. Like, Your, your kids in sports, man. Like, <laughs> I've never seen two children that are less athletically gifted but yet more hardworking. Oh, thank you. So it's like this weird dichotomy of like... Yeah. I will I'll, I will give that to I their father. Work and work and work and work <laughs> and work and work and work. But I'm still like trying to overcome like kids so, that just get out of bed and are just incredibly naturally <laughs> awesome at this thing. When people, when people bring that up to me, because you're not the first person to say that, you know, my boys are very... Um, intelligent and um, one is very gifted in math and one is very gifted in the arts um, 
when people bring that up to me about sports, like, you know, they try so hard and, you know, man, that's just not for them. Uh, I always say, like, that's why their dad and I got divorced. (laughs) When their dad graduated from high school, he was voted, like, athlete of the year. His senior portrait, he's holding a football on fire. Like, every sport known to man their father played. And, like, I was into theater and smoking cigarettes on the corner and, like, not doing any of that. So when people bring that up to me in my head, it's, like, inside out. And there's a little mommy and a little dad. And mom's like, guys, go back to sleep. And dad's like, no, get up. You practice. And it's like they have a little war of, like, which DNA is going to win? Are they going to listen to mom and be lazy? Are they going to listen to dad and get up and work for it? And more often than not, they get up and they work for it. So I'm, I'm proud of that. But that's really funny you brought that up. Well, I mean, it's just, it's like, okay, like your youngest in basketball. Like, he will go to every practice and he really tries. But yet, I remember watching him and his mouth was moving when he was playing basketball. And I was like, what is he doing? And I realized that he was saying the words. Like, dribble, 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 dribble. Okay, pass. Oh, shoot. Like... That's, well... He has to, like... It's so, like... That is more uh, his Asperger's than anything. There, I've never seen children work so hard, but just not be natural. That's why it's... We've had a... I, we've had a really good experience, like, trying different sports because the kids are – my kids are usually really well-liked by their coaches. You know, we go to every practice and we do everything we can and, to, you know, support them and do all this stuff. And they try so hard and they have a good attitude. <laughs> this just ain't for them. Well, the thing is, like, especially the younger one is at the age – and we're way off subject here – but he's at the, the age where sports are more about um, – Having fun. Camaraderie and yeah. making friends. Yep. And learning, like, basic life skills that come with, like, being part of a team. Well, in the... the older one is at the point where it's like, this is competitive. Yeah. And Show the fuck up and win. And as that, the older one has chosen tennis, singles tennis, and uh, cross country as his sports, which are more competitive like in your mind you know what i mean it's more of an individual thing than a team okay back on topic so jonathan branches uh what Uh, you need to know about him is he killed himself wow okay he dated the youngest daughter on fresh prince of bel-air um they dated in real life for years and years and years uh yeah he had a real hard time coming out of the teenage heartthrob phase and only getting movies you know, think Disney Channel movies. Um, he did not make the transition. And uh, he did a movie with Chuck Norris. And so people who cared about Jonathan reached out to Chuck Norris. And Chuck Norris tried to give him, this is in the early 2000s, tried to give him um, some roles. Because back then, Walker, Texas Ranger was really big. And, you know, so his last few credits um, on IMDb are a lot of... Uh, TV episodes, but yes, he ended up, uh, he completed suicide by hanging uh, in 2005, I believe. Fucking terrible way to go. I was, this is how insane, I was pregnant with my firstborn when I found out, and I was so upset, just because it felt like a part of my childhood had died, like, I remember the day. Did you pretend that it was Jonathan Brandis' kid? No, never that, it was never that bad. Um, But... I remember the day that I 
kind of grew up. Does that make sense? Because I was getting changed in my room, my bedroom, and I looked around and I was like, I have like 85,000 sets of eyes on me right now. This is kind of creepy. And I took them all down and I put them in a little box and I had them um, until I left that house. Like, What year was that? What year did I leave the house? And my, the, I know what year did you take the posters down? I think it was probably like 94, like going into freshman year. I think you I was like, I'm done. All of his power away I did. From him. I did. You delilahed him by taking all of his posters down. Good oh, job. I loved that boy. Oh my goodness. It's just one of the, I don't know. That, he was my teenage crush. Everyone else is like, oh, most people my age. River Phoenix. Um, River Phoenix. Christian Slater was real big. Leonardo DiCaprio, oh, because he was on Growing Pains at the time. Um, a very young Brad Pitt. Think Cool World Brad Pitt. Cutting class Brad Pitt. My favorite Brad Pitt was Legend, Louise, Brad Legends Pitt. of the Fall Brad Pitt. I, I, okay. I like a long-haired um, gentleman. Uh, the Dane If we're going to segue into the pit for a second, I would just say <laughs> that there are several Brad Pitt movies that I really like. But Brad Pitt at his most handsome, I can narrow it down to a shot in a movie where Brad Pitt hit pinnacle Brad Pitt hotness. Are you talking about the chest scene in uh, Thelma and Louise? No. Are you talking There's about the scene, bed rollover scene in Legends of the Fall? The scene, no. Because that's scene it. where he is introduced in Legends mm-hmm. of the Fall. And he does the side slide off of the horse to meet Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio for the first time. Where he, that's Julie Ormond. Whatever. He tips his hat and the dew comes off of it. Yep. He's got that long hair. Yeah, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. You're a fucking handsome dude. Yes. That movie. <laughs> whew. I could. I have seen that movie a dozen times, and I don't think I could tell you what it's about. But I could tell you verbatim every single. It's just like passage of time in a family. Love that like man things made. that happen. Um, but anyway, sorry. What this, uh, <laughs> this movie? So, so back to I step told brother, you, I was like, stepfather. Gonna too. Take away, and so we're talking about Jonathan Brandison. Yep. Sorry, um, guys. This movie, just so you're aware, was from idea of like hey i think i had an idea for stepfather 2 to it being released in theaters was four months whoa so they made it really fucking fast that's not a good move one and a half million dollars oh shit that is bullshit a little over one and a half million dollars okay so what year did this come out this was came out november 3rd 1989 remember oh i didn't hear the i don't remember the year 89 what was going on in the world uh george hw bush was sworn in in 89 Florida executes Ted Bundy. The Soviet Union officially leaves Afghanistan. Bush bans assault weapons. Remember that? Mm. Remember when a Republican would ban assault weapons? Because of, uh, what do we call it? The Brady Bill. Yeah, uh, the Exxon Valdez. The Exxon Valdez happens. You yeah. Know, it runs aground, uh, which would later turn into the base oh my of God. the bad guys in Waterworld. Oh, whatever. It was Dennis Hopper's base in Waterworld where uh, they the... rode their fucking jet skis out of. Um, uh, and then the Berlin Wall came down in 89. What's so strange for me is I remember all those events very, very, very well. 89 is kind of the year I guess I was allowed to watch TV a lot more. Do you know what I mean? Um, you love but at up. the same time, I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I was nine years old. Like, I'm my youngest son's age in those memories. And in my head, it, I'm not that Like, I think I'm older, seven. I guess. I was seven. Yeah. yeah. I was nine. You were, yeah. yeah. Uh, people that were born in 89. So that's not too bad. They're only 10 years younger than so, me. Elizabeth Olsen? Scott that's the, Witch, yep. the youngest 
Is that the youngest Olsen? Okay. Uh, Anton Yelchin, who was in Green Room, who sadly passed away. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's been popping up a lot in our conversations on and off the podcast. Well, it's because that documentary came out. Rob Ronkowski. Who's that? Football player, the tight end that played for the Patriots that won all this. That won this. Oh yeah, the Gronk. Yeah, Gronk. Gronk. Uh, Somewhere, my one of my best friends is very angry. I didn't recognize that name. Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, and yeah, he's thirty. Yeah. Uh, also, people that died in '89. It's so weird. Like, he's '89. Like, okay, those people are. are is that when we lost Bo Bridges or Lloyd Bridges, the oldest Bridges man? I don't believe. Okay, so. maybe sorry. I'm not sure, but the ones that are jotted down are Lucille Ball. Oh wow! Betty Davis, and Salvador Dali. Oh my gosh! I can't. I always forget that he lived in my time. Mm-hmm. He he was such a oh wow. He used to walk his pet armadillo. Oh my gosh! One pet armadillo, really bad. Okay. Uh, and then the new words that were officially added to the American lexicon. The word in like nine were gangster rap. <laughs> Spelled that way with an A. Scrunchy. Yeah. And. <laughs> Helicopter parent. Oh, the bane of my existence. That's so funny because Scrunchie was dead for so long and now they're kind of coming back. And so everyone's calling about Scrunchies this, again. That's funny. Visco girl shit. What? Oh, yeah, Visco yeah, girl. Visco girl shit. You, your yeah. son is a Visco girl. Kind of. He likes them. Okay, this is the part of the podcast where Josh shows me an original poster about the movie and I try to discern meaning about it. I'm going to assume, before I look at the movie, that it is going to be centered around Jonathan Brandis being a stepson and solving the murder and saving the day. I'm just going to say, I like this movie, but this fucking poster is better than the movie. Ooh. (laughs) Tonight, Daddy's coming home to slice up more than just the cake. So it is a bride with two children and a dog on top of a cake. And the dad... um, I forget his name already. Uh, Terry O'Quinn slicing it, like stabbing it down with his face behind it. Stepfather 2, make room for daddy. Stepfather 2, electric boogaloo. (laughs) One of the decade's most diabolical concepts of movie horror, which was probably about Stepfather 1, and they just used it for this. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to assume it takes place like the first one. He's trying, trying to get into this... With his family well, and married the wife. Died at the end of the first one. Oh, so how? So he died at the end of the last one. So I'm going to assume that this one's going to open, explaining how he did not die, and <laughs> showing him becoming a new stepfather again. We'll see. You're not not far wrong. Wrong. <laughs> but uh, my prediction is you're going to enjoy how ridiculous this movie is. This movie is not nearly as good. Uh huh. As the first one, but the ending is pretty memorable. All right. Like, you're going to enjoy it, I think. So we're off to watch this is, okay. Stepfather 2, Daddy's um, Home, Boo. Oh, I like that better. Yeah, that's a really good one. Two quick notes before we go. Mm-hmm. One, I think this is streaming for free on Prime. Probably, yes. Two, uh, you may, if you're not a long-term listener, it may be to your benefit to not only watch Step Father one. 1, but to also go back and listen to her podcast about the Step Father 1 that came out last Yay. year. Um, so, just a thought. But we'll see you after, uh, and I'm sure we'll have to deal with a lot of Jonathan, Jonathan Brandis feelings. <laughs> Yay! Mind the doors. <laughs>
Blake, Henry Morrison, and before them, Bill Crager, they all had something in common. They were all for a time happily married, and they were all the same man. What kind of man changes names like other people change their clothes? Where do your thoughts take you? There was a, an accident, kind of. Just about anything that you'd want in a kitchen has been built in. Well, my last house had a basement workshop. I like to work with my hands. Do you specialize in your practice, Gene? Family guidance types of problems. Where do your thoughts take you? Phil left a little over a year ago. He's zeroing in on you, and he's ignoring everybody else. Dr. Gene Clifford, this is... Phil. Phil Grayland, Carol's husband. Why is he here? Oh, he wants a second chance. Why don't you ask Phil to stop by and have a chat with me tonight? I think it's time I cracked open this file. Carol, what exactly do you know about Gene? Did I love him? Make room for Daddy. How do I know he won't come back again? I want you gone! I don't think he'll come back this time. We're pouring our hearts out some guy who no one must Italy about. Come on, Maddie. You don't even know if he's a real shrink. You're nothing! Who the hell are you? Would you let me tell her? What are you going to tell her? More lies? Carol, I have a confession to make. She's agreed to become my wife. You will never find a better family man than me. Don't tell your dress, sweetheart. I think we can work this out. Terry O'Quinn and Meg Foster. There's something that you should know about my past. Stepfather 2. Daddy is back. Welcome back from Stepfather 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Stepfather 2. I'm here for you, boo. Stepfather 2 The Legend of Curly's Gold. <laughs> This Which is my was, favorite sequel title ever. This movie was a wild ride. This may be quite the roller coaster. I think this holds a special place in the uh, canon of this podcast. Well, because it's our second one around well, the same time. No, I was going to say this. And also, this might be the first film that I think you enjoyed more than me. <laughs> There wasn't enough Jonathan Brandis for me, but, I mean, whatever. There's been a hundred percent more than any other movie we've watched this on the podcast. <laughs> Which is why so. I like this movie a hundred percent more. <laughs> That's not true, but... That's a thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think anything... I'll be hard-pressed to find something that unseats Pumpkinhead for you, I think. I did like Pumpkinhead a lot. Pumpkinhead is really fucking good. It's a... I've never even heard of it. It It's a really good movie. Yeah. You know what was not a good a movie? It's a pick right there. <laughs> this one. <laughs> there were so many things that made me go what like did he just go into a town and he was like oh i i'm a dog i'm a psychiatrist now where's your license where's like were were the 80s really just that easy yeah if you're white probably where did he get all that money to like keep getting a house he he murdered that guy and took his life home oh that's right yeah i mean like (laughs) so just do you, oh my god. Do you want to sum up the plot of this All right. gem? <laughs> and, and then there's also like how he was saving his hair. Like, buddy, if you're in a mental institution, they're they're checks. Like they're floor checks. They look for shit like that. 
You think he's the first inmate who's ever tried to, you know, hide especially like hair or skin or <laughs> like, you know, you're not the only one. That's why you're there, buddy. Oh, anyway. Um, this movie was about a serial killer who marries women with children. And then when the family stops being perfect, he murders them and moves on. Um, the movie opens with him in a insane asylum because he was very much dead at the end of the last movie. Yes. But, and uh, this and he does it again. I think this is a good time to throw in there that this movie is an hour and 33 minutes long. <laughs> and the first 10 minutes is just a full-on recap of, of what, the first right. film with footage from the first yeah, film. Yeah, it was the last scene of the first movie. <laughs> so they really pad this movie out with uh They tried real hard. First film, which is way better. Yeah. <laughs> the first stepfather, yeah. the uh, the first film is way better. Yeah, than this one. Also, this was just... I'm just going to throw this out here. Um, as we record... The neighbors having their roof worked on. So if you hear <laughs> random sounds in the background, we're trying really hard. But again, we're doing the best we can. We are two uh, low-income people living <laughs> in West Virginia. We we during do we Corona, <laughs> people are getting crazy. They're climbing on their roofs. This so, movie was uh, it was fun. A mess. It's fun. It, it's it's totally. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Bananas. And the, yeah, and the eightiesness of it was great. Like, this movie was, let's take everything about the first one that's creepy and unsettling <laughs> and, and just ramp it to banana yeah. town. Let's, uh, let's kick it to 11. It's yes. so insane. It was crazy. So he, Jerry Blake, mm-hmm. who Terry O'Quinn plays him again. He comes again. back for this film. I think he's the only, other than the footage from the beginning, <laughs> he's the only character they, to return. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he's in a Puget Sound insane asylum and he befriends his doctor yeah he has a new doctor who thinks he can fix him and he builds like a little model house and he's like i just want i just want a normal life and he eventually gets the doctor to think to like him so much that he starts doing therapy one-on-one with the guard out of the room yeah that's the other thing uh the, which that leads to a trope okay and you see it in a lot of 80s movies weirdly um that drives me crazy which is if you're in an insane asylum mm-hmm. or you're in a mental institution, <laughs> mental institution, let's say that because that's a little more um, yeah. it's PC a, appropriate. Yeah. But you're in a mental institution. Mm-hmm. You're in a facility. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, you can probably con someone into meeting with you one-on-one. There are yeah, people that they're... break the rules all the time. I've seen it sure. working in facilities. But... When you kill them, <laughs> just putting on their clothes doesn't mean you're going to walk out. Right. Like, But that's a thing that is recurring. It happened to 12 Monkeys. Yeah. He almost got away with it in 12 Monkeys by just, like, walking out the front door. Yeah, that, it doesn't work that no way. One, that, there's so many, like, doors and checks yeah. that you have to get through. Yeah. Yeah. That... That, that's a weird <laughs> trope where it's like, if I can get out that door, then I'm then out. I'm magically just, no, I'm outside. Especially and, if you're criminally insane, right? Like, yeah, that, that's a weird. Lord. He basically kills the doctor and kills the janitor. Clothes. Is he doing the doctor's it was clothes? A jan- or he puts on the janitor's the clothes. Janitor's anyway, clothes. he just walks Makes out up the a door. Mustache. And then once he's out the door, he's home free. He kills a dude at a rest stop, mm-hmm. steals his car, his identity, his money, all that. And then drives 
to Los Angeles because yeah. this movie was shot in L.A. Um, and and they, they couldn't afford to like go someplace foreign and exotic like Seattle where the first movie was shot. <laughs> well, and so he rents a house across the street from the realtor that he's in love with. and Meg Foster. Yeah. And who almost... Wasn't in this movie. Who was going they to be in it? did not want her in this movie because She's her, too her eyes were too striking. They're like, her eyes are haunting. They were, well, haunting is Which, true. but that's her eyes are very haunting. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, they, so they he pretends to be a psychiatrist. I was going to say they originally wanted for the the her role, the neighbor realtor, uh-huh. they wanted either Kay Lenz who played Sandy in House, which means nothing to you yet. Yep. And, or Season Hubley, who was Princess in Vice Squad, and she was also the chock full of nuts girl in Escape from New York. <laughs> she was dating Kurt Russell, yeah. and she's the one in, whenever Kurt Russell goes into the chock full of nuts at Escape from New York, she's like, hey man, I heard you were dead. Oh. That's her. They wanted her. She ended up playing a part in the third film because there's a third film. A there's, third stepfather? There's a sequel to this movie oh, yeah. that Terry O'Quinn is not in. Yeah, that makes sense. Because he is, again, very, very so good. So he escapes. The character escapes from the mental institution in the third film and then immediately goes to a plastic surgeon for a new face. Oh, that makes sense. So there's a new actor playing him. What does IMDb, how do they sum up the plot? I'm sure it's a lot less... Um, verbose <laughs> like yeah after escaping the insane asylum in which he was incarcerated Jerry Blake impersonates impersonates a marriage counselor and manages to win over a patient Meg Foster hashtag his realtor and neighbor and her young son yeah Jonathan Brandis Jonathan Brandis there's also like a subplot not of him <laughs> there's a subplot of her husband comes back and there's a neighbor who is you know just kind of knows that something ain't right with him. Carolyn Williams, yeah, stretch um, from Texas Chainsaw too. Right, uh, but this was just this was so wild. The plot holes in this movie, man, this was insane. It was so much fun though. Um, a, a perfect example is that this movie mirrors the first film in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Like Instead of in the well, first the film, first movie, he's a realtor. Remember, he shows that guy the house. Yeah. And it's her, his stepdaughter's doctor. Right. Pretending to be. Oh, yeah. And he beats him to death. Oh, God. Well, that's he, right. he does the same thing with, like, the male lady. Right. And with the husband. Mm-hmm. But it's so ridiculous. But yeah. It's, it's so not scary at all. It's I so insane. It, it was insane. Um, the. The whole ending in the church, <laughs> the, where they're the, just like stabbing each other. It was and like blood a, everywhere. Yeah, it was like a professional wrestling ending. Like they yeah. were shooting and killing and pulling, and it it was crazy. Breaking wine bottles over each other, like it was <laughs> it was great. Um, I think part of the reason why this movie is insane is Jeff Burr, who directed it, was hired to direct it before there was a script. So they knew they wanted another one. They were like, we need to make another one. Let's hire a director. We don't have a script yet. Um, from the moment they were like, hey, let's do a sequel to The Stepfather 2 till it was in theaters. Well, till it was like done mm-hmm. and ready to be exhibited in theaters was four months. <laughs> oh, that's so crazy. <laughs> so 
Ooh, yeah, it, it's it, definitely pieced together. It was supposed to be a direct-to-video release, and then once it got done, they were like, "This is too." And when good. I say they, I mean the Weinstein's. Ugh. We're like, hey, prefer if we don't use their name. Let's put this in theaters and see how it does. Spoiler alert: It basically just made its money back. Yeah. Which is whatever, but uh, part of the reason why the ending is so weird, if you noticed, uh, yeah. So after they were well, finished shooting. The Weinsteins tested the film, and they complained to Jeff Burr, the director. It was like the about, world's largest church. Yeah. They just kept going from room to room They complained. Room. They were like, hey, there's not a lot of blood in this. Can you come back <laughs> and we get reshoot the, the movie and add a lot more blood? And he he, he was like, nah. I'm good. He was already moved on to, text, <laughs> uh, to Leatherface, Texting Cell Massacre 3. Is this what he did right after this, right? Yeah. Which is a movie he did with Carolyn Williams from this movie and also one of the other ladies in the group. Her name's Miriam Bird Nathery. Okay. She's one of the other women in the group. She ended up being in Texas Chainsaw 3 as well. So he goes off and does that and he's like, I'm, I'm going to take these people. I'm oh. not going to reshoot the ending of this movie because I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> so the Weinsteins hired like another director and... Here's a quote I got from Jeff Burr, the director, about what happened. He said, They cut a little of the film out, and they added some badly done blood effects. Badly done because Terry O'Quinn refused to do it. Oh, so, so who to, was like, that shoot then? With a body double. Like, all of the scenes oh, yes. were just, like, blood it, and gore. Mm-hmm. Terry O'Quinn was like, I'm good. Um, he said, really, there were they were meaningless. And, and so I found that to be really irritating. So it his was whole, a, yeah, his whole thing being, it's unnecessary. It is what it is, and the, if the, they had just, I, I don't. <laughs> it was it was it was a wild. His dressing room, her dressing room, bathroom, the catering hall, the like just ever. It was crazy, and it it really did look like it was being shot in a hotel, but it was supposed to be like a church basement. Yeah, and. The thing is, I don't want to take away from the first Stepfather because I think it's really good, and I think there's some good, not only gore effects, but it's, but it created first, a formula. Creepy, yeah, right? especially when he, you see him for the first time, and he wipes because the it's mirror, an original idea. And he shaves and he goes downstairs, and the whole family's dead. Oh yeah, and then that he goes off and starts better. his whole life and everything. And this, this is like the cartoon version of the first movie. <laughs> it's the Diet Coke. It's just one calorie, right? Like if. You have the first film, which is, like, a serious film with, like, kind of funny parts. And you're like, oh, he's a monster. Oh, when will the rest of the family find out he's a monster? And this is, like... know from the get It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, we're just setting up... Basically, and this movie is telling you, like, we're setting up set pieces for later. The majority of this movie was me going, that wouldn't have... Okay. That would... Oh, okay. How did... Okay. And, you know, you just have to... You just have to, you know, live in their world for a little like, while. He pulls a name from the obituary, and he's mm-hmm. like, I'm this person. Turns out that's a black guy. That died. Yeah. <laughs> that went to an all-black school. So that's how he and, was and kind so, of outed almost. Yeah, Carolyn Williams is like, I'm going to tell her if you don't tell her. And that's why she ends up dead. And then his the whole giveaway is after he kills her, he's whistling Camp Town Races. Is it Camp Town Races? Yeah. Oh, yeah. As he's walking through his, bl- the, like, the blind neighbor's yard, and the blind neighbor's, like, 
that hurt him whistling a song we've not heard in a long time. And then he But it's just Camp Town races. Like it's not yeah, he teaches Jonathan Brandis that song, so when Jonathan Brandis whistles it right before the like this whole film is about Camp Town races. On Jonathan Brandis whistling Camp Town races. Right before the wedding. Right, like literally seconds before, before she goes down the goes down yeah. the aisle. And then Meg Foster being like, Oh no, my soon to be husband is a murderer. Well they try to <laughs> Also, kind of back that up because the woman who who he killed, the the post woman, the male woman, um, died, and somehow her parents sent uh, wine that it was the same kind of wine that he had taken from the scene of the crime from after he killed her or something. Like it was, it was really kind of convoluted and like, huh? Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if that's how it ended. If that's how the original ending was, that she made the connection through the wine, and then tussle, fight, end, and they added all the little cutscenes of like camp town races as I, a song. I would say all the stuff with like him in the closet. Yeah, when he locks Jonathan Brandis in the closet and he's like menacing the family, and there's like when they burst through the doors right? in the chapel and they're just covered in blood. Yep. I would say that was that was all added. right. Um, because Terry Quinn's not in that shot. And now that I know that Terry Quinn refused, like, nah, makes sense. Now I'm not coming back. You, you got your, you got your money's worth out of me for Stepfather 2. This movie doesn't follow the Arkov formula, but it is a good movie. You know, do you, do you I think, think, I think it hits spots. So, okay. Based on Arkov, A, action. Um, it takes a while, but yeah, I mean, there are action sequences. Yeah, like the the death, the murder sequences are all pretty. Yeah, they're um, pretty. You blunt also object forget murder. he does the same scene from the first film, but in this film, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> which is when he gets upset in the first movie. Remember, he goes downstairs <laughs> and in the basement, starts crafting and starts like cutting those boards angrily. Yeah. And this one, he's just like hitting shit with a hammer. Yeah. And it's it. This movie He's literally crafting. is the cartoon version. Yes. Of the first stepfather. Yeah. Yes. Uh, revolutionary? No. It's no, just it's, a second. It is the. <laughs> it's literally cartoon just, version. Yeah. Of the uh, first film. killing. Yes. Oh yeah. 100%. Over the top killing. Because um, Carolyn Williams, R.I.P. I'm not going to say that Camp Town Races can follow O for oratory. Right? No, it can't be. <laughs> There, I mean, like that's the only thing I take out of this, and I wanted, dialogue. I wanted, I like this movie because it's stupid and fun, right? The same reason I like Chopping Mall. It's funny. Um, I wanted to be like, this is actually a great movie because you know it had Jonathan Brandis in it. And they're like, no, this was just ridiculous. Yeah, uh, and an F and F fornication, fantastical, whatever. There's one sex scene, but it's awkward and gross. He even throws it in her face later. He's like, you know, I haven't had sex with you. Yeah. Because he hates having sex. Weirdo. Oh, yeah, that's revealed in the therapist's office, too. Uh, and then, yeah, it, it's a fantastical uh, that it would happen, <laughs> I guess. Does that count? So kind of. That's not too bad. Uh, did you, four out of six? Did you like the two thirds? The same reason I would like Chopping Mall. Like, it's goofy, and it would be, it's like a fun 80s throwback. Like, oh, look at the weird architecture. More paneling. Like, it was that kind of thing. I mean... I'd like it to slam it. 
I would say, me personally, um, no, I'm not going to put like a, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not going to say, you know, oh, this movie, you need to go into it, da, da, da. This movie's fun. Yeah. I mean, is it dumb? Yes. Yeah. Did I enjoy it? Sure. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. Um, I would probably, like I said, I would watch it again. It was goofy. It was silly. <laughs> this movie holds a 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb. See, they get me. This movie's just a. It's a. It's a good time. Yeah. It's not going to go down in like the annals of horror history. It's yeah, not going to be something that's going to be talked about at great length. But this movie's just fun as shit to watch. Yeah. Like. I think the first Stepfather is a million times better, but I think this one's more rewatchable. Yeah, right? just because it's it's easier to swallow like, for sure. This is the kind of movie so campy. that you could just throw on while you're doing housework yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's just I think that's it, the circumstances under which I would watch it again. What are we doing next week? Next week is Father's Day proper. Oh, okay. Mm. So what do you want to do? So we're going to do a pretty awesome Father's Day movie. Which is? And for Father's Day month, which is Train to Busan, a Korean, well, South Korean film. Oh, okay. Yes. Wait. Okay. Yes. So um, I have one question. Question. Before we, actually two questions, but before right. we go, here are my questions. One. One. I'll start with the easy one first. Would you let your children watch this movie? Sure. Like, it's I mean, stupid, yes. I don't think they would sit through it. No, I mean, be bored it's far it. too slow. Uh, two. Two. <laughs> Watching this movie now, I'm going back and seeing Jonathan Brandis, like, how does it feel seeing, like, someone you had such a massive crush on? Like, in a movie you'd never seen before. Oh, well, yeah. It was weird to see his face again. You know, like, that's one thing. Um, I guess, you know, if your first crush was, like, Jordan or Donnie from New Kids on the Block, at least, you know, someone my age, like, you can see them now. Like, they're kind of still around, peppered in, but, you know, because he had passed away, you know, it's not someone I think about it at all anymore. Um, just a freeze in time. Yeah. Like, for me, he'll always be about Luke, the age of Lucas from Sequest. Like, whatever. I think he was playing a 17-year-old, but he was probably, like, 20 or 21 at the time. Like, River Phoenix. Like, yeah. they, they just stop. Yeah. They don't age past that. I wish he was in it more. It was fun to see him, for sure. There were scenes in this movie that you pointed out that I think we now understand because of the way they chopped up and reshot the ending mm-hmm. where you would hear his voice off screen and you would be like, that's not his voice at all. Oh yeah. I did like, say that. Totally <laughs> yeah. not his voice. I forgot. Yeah. Like even the ADR wasn't him. Like he him, couldn't be bothered for that. Him yelling, like Jonathan Brandis yelling off screen. It was suddenly, it would turn into a different person's voice. Oh, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I know Jonathan Brandis's voice. I don't, that wasn't it. Yes. Like, nobody could be bothered. This is such a slap-together movie. But it gave someone a paycheck, so. <laughs> All right. So until next week. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. <laughs>